Hello and welcome to From the Recruit, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent for The Athletic. Hello gents. And Mike. It is, as always, a pleasure to be joining you both. Hello. And it isn't the end of the world for you, is it Mike? Something about that in your house I heard in the background? All we've been hearing, we're recording this on um, Monday evening and all I've been hearing for the last week or so uh, is from my eight-year-old son, well... He's too young to be playing this game, but he plays He plays Fortnite, and it's the end of a chapter, I think, apparently tonight. So at some stage this evening, there's some sort of live event that happens if you're playing Fortnite on your console or, or PC. So fever pitch excitement here in the uh, here in the parking household. And uh, let us know if you'd like me to continue these Fortnite updates in future episodes <laughs> of, uh, from the Rickery. We won't, but it's just in case there is a loud <laughs> shout in the background. It's exactly. just Arlo playing that. But, but there's an end to... This, this this fortnight chapter but the, the the season is beginning again uh which definitely sounds like something would happen in the fortnight world <laughs> um uh, we, we, yeah, we, we've had a a, a pre-season game i keep call it pre-season game i'm not quite sure if that's the right phrase uh but adam you were at vicarage road on saturday um for the watford against brentford ended to nil with goals from uh etching kapu in the first half uh and ishmael azar in the very very last couple of seconds of the game um yeah, the, the, the lineups, you know, can you read too much into them? No. Are we going to? Of course. Uh, but Mike, you know, <laughs> when you see, you know, Foster, Kiko, Cabaselli, Dawson, Ho- uh, Jose, Holabas, Hughes, Capu, Cleverly, Pasetto, Welbeck, Gray, as a starting 11, it's not too dire. In fact, you'd probably say most of that team is what you would pick as your starting eleven. Talk about being damned with faint praise. How, how do you rate Watford's chances this uh, season, John? Well, they're not too dire. Well, no. I'm, um, look, look, maybe I'm, I'm going off how you're going to talk about it, Michael, with your slight pessimism as a football fan. But they, they, it seems that's that's fine. And as a as a game before the season starts, it isn't extraordinary, I suppose. No, and I think I have to say, talking about football coming back, I did wake up on Saturday with, for the first time in a very, very long time, some sense of normality, and that normality was that sort of slight knot in your um, in your tummy, that little bit of excitement about um, about there being a Watford football match. So that was, I'd obviously missed it a lot more than I, I anticipated, because um, a pre-season, as you say, is a pre-season friendly, really, with, with Brentford isn't usually the most tantalising of prospects, but I was genuinely excited to have, have football back and then when you when you see the team I think you realize quite quickly that the the exercise is probably going to be some uh, a, a game to get to get minutes for for players and to, and probably get as many players onto the pitch and to experience the vicarage road without supporters uh, as possible um, but yeah like you say John that if we, if we had to take to the take to the to a premier league field with with that side it wouldn't be the end of the world it would be a surprise I think if we if we went with that that lineup I think probably for me and Adam will put more flesh on on the bones that who wasn't playing was was surprising for me because I think the first thing you look at is Deeney playing right no he's on the bench so this is going to be an exercise if you like we're not playing we're not going to get sort of go in and exercise our um, what we're going to play against Leicester it's not going to be a trial run for that but there's no Messina no Cathcart um, and no Pereira so Pereira so three sort of big names missing there and they were the they were that's what sort of stuck out for me initially and he sort of starts getting a bit bit worried about whether any of them are injured or whether they're just uh, going to be wrapped in cotton wool uh, but the, the interesting one I suppose Adam in terms of how it played out I was listening on on the club website and it seems to be cleverly Welbeck were something a little different I suppose that might become an option 
yeah, cleverly was playing in the sort of advanced role of the midfield three with with Hughes and Capoue, um behind, and I think it, it worked quite well. And the way that he integrated with with Danny Welbeck, obviously you know former Manchester United colleague of his, Welbeck starting on the left hand side, it was interesting at times that cleverly was able to actually pull out to the left. And Welbeck was then able to join Andre Gray, who was starting as that central striker, and to form a partnership up top. Because I think, you know, every Watford fan that's been uh, watching the team over this season, and if you remember last season, I think we all sort of have a soft spot for a partnership up top. Even if you do have two um, players either side of that central striker in Delefeu and Saar, um, we always like a partnership and it was just quite good to see that there was the um, possibility of, of Welbeck joining in with Andre Gray and you know Andre Gray gets a lot of stick the ball wasn't particularly sticking to his feet particularly <laughs> well uh, in in that first half but there were a few moments where where him and Danny Welbeck actually linked up uh, relatively well so I was quite encouraged to see that um, Welbeck was deployed on the left-hand side. I personally would go for him over Roberto Pereira. I think he'll have more impact. He's got more pace. He gives you that partnership option as well. And we'll just find out over the course of the next week how serious, I don't think they are particularly serious, the injuries are to Cathcart, to Messina and to Pereira as well, because I I would have thought, you know, all three of them will will start if fit against Leicester. But even if Pereira's fit, I personally would have would have Welbeck on the left-hand side. I think it, I think it looked good. He looked, um, he looked sharp and he also showed some, some good pace as well and showed a willingness to test out his legs as well. Mm. And that's, that's a key thing, I suppose, with Danny Welbeck that, you know, obviously with, with his history of, of injuries and a hamstring injury earlier on this season, that early one against, um, Tottenham when he pulled up, uh, it was just good to see that he was willing to sort of stretch his legs and, and go for it. And that actually led up to the, the opening goal, um, for Watford that, that Capu scored from distance, which was, which was a great strike as well. So yeah, that first half I was, I was, um, quite heartened. And overall, actually, just a, a final point on this. It was, it was good to see the Watford players out there in the flesh again. And you, you're wrong. Mm. How many good players Watford have, you know, from Capu to, uh, Decore to Shalabar coming on and then Saar and then uh, Pasetta I was very impressed with I thought he, he was really good there's so many good players out there and if, if Nigel Pearson who was obviously absent he wasn't there he had he had some uh, illness and wasn't able to, to make the game if he can tie it all together they've obviously got a great chance but I, mm. I'm I'm feeling rather nervy I must admit prior <laughs> <laughs> to that opener Adam, it's great to hear that, that Welbeck looked like he was is stretching himself because I, I was yeah. reading about him today and it's a bit of a sort of, it's an unfunny joke, but you sort of laugh off the fact that Welbeck has, of course, been injured for far too much since he signed from Arsenal. It was, we knew the gamble we were we were taking, but it must be so disheartening for for him as a, a player. And we mustn't forget that there's, there's quite the player in there. So if he can be fully fit for this for this mini season, he could make quite an impact. So to hear that he was pushing himself is, is really encouraging. I'm quite a bit interested to hear how Holobas looked at him in your in your opinion, because I think he might have a part to play if Messina is perhaps injured. But and, and your thoughts on that but Pasetto as well because he was one that we mentioned um, in the last pod that he might be quite quite versatile as well did you see much from him that might might back that up yeah let's start with Pasetto I thought he was he was really good and and the adaptability that he showed was key started on the on the right hand side in that first half looked sharp was getting plenty of encouragement from his from his teammates which is which is always good to hear cut in a couple of times 
got to the byline, got a couple of crosses in as well. There wasn't anything sensational, but it was more positive and a little bit more assured than when he came in pre-lockdown. Mm. I thought he looked a little bit lightweight, and um, although he was sort of uh, fighting for every ball, and obviously, you know, he had that great introduction against Tottenham and that vital interception on the line, which, yeah. is, which was really important. I thought, hang on a minute, I'm not sure how how strong this guy is and, and whether he's up to the Premier League. But um, he looked, I don't know, he looked, he looked sharp on the right-hand side. And then that adaptability means that in the second half, Saar came on, replaced him, and then he dropped back to, to right back. And as we know, you know, touching on that, that clearance on the line, he's very willing to, to, to get back and fight back. So as a right back he didn't look like a, a bad option. And I think if you, if you weigh it up, I know Watford are going to have five substitutes, but if you're thinking that maybe Ishmael Assar isn't going to be able to start every game and they want to sort of be very careful with him due to that explosivity that he has and you don't want to sort of burn him out if you're playing three games in a week. If you're thinking, right, I'm going to budget for having Sar on in the second half of a game, perhaps as an option, then we could start Passetto on the right and we're not going to have to make two substitutes if we want to change it on the right-hand side. We'll just drop Passetto back to right back and bring Sar on. And they looked like they could work work together quite well. So that was mm. that was good. Um, in terms of uh, Holobas, I... He, he he did okay, mm. and he was uh, he was tracking back as well. To to be brutally honest, he's just he's just not the the player he he was really. He just looks a little mm. bit stiffer. He looks uh, a little bit slower, and that comes with age. I mean, it's just it's not a it's not a big criticism of of his. You know, he 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 does a job. He can still be neat and tidy, but I just think in the Premier League now, when you've got lightning quick. Um, right wingers up against him yeah. I think you know he, he can't really deal with it well as he used to be able to and also going forward he hasn't got that extra burst of pace if he is going to be laid in we know that he can deliver a ball um, and that is still there but uh, you know he is very much second choice to, to Adam Messina yeah hopefully Messina will be will be fit but yeah you're right Holobas will have to play some part and it was good that he was focused he was doing his job and he was being sort of pulled back into position especially by Ben Foster throughout the game uh, the constant shout in the first half was Jose Jose come on Jose Jose and he <laughs> get back into position um, so that was please, quite interesting to watch please Jose yeah. but it was you know it, on, the, on the sort of the, the subject of, of hearing the players I found that absolutely fascinating and obviously you know we knew that that was going to be the case because the the crowd noise isn't masking um what probably usually goes on on the pitch and we have no idea anyway but when you can hear it all unfold I wonder whether having spoken to Ben Foster in the build up to that game uh, he was talking about how the players can try and sort of g themselves up and help themselves in these sterile atmospheres and it was very noticeable that Ben Foster was very very vocal and very mm. loud and you know you heard him encouraging Cabasele and and Holobas and Kiko Femenia and I wonder whether they're just sort of saying look you know we haven't got the crowd here give them a pat on the back make them mm. feel good give them that little boost that little pump up because I think don't don't sort of have any any sort of 
embarrassment or shame about it, do it because it might give someone the extra sort of one percent that we might need in this in this relegation battle. Yeah, thinking back to what Mike said last week um, on the podcast, where it was like, who can do well without the crowd there? And you know, someone like Andre mm. Gray. But you worry though, <laughs> if things aren't really going well, that you in the middle of an empty stadium, you don't hear the tuts coming from the players uh, if, uh, if if someone misses something. I mean, Mike, the, the exciting bit, I suppose, uh, following it uh, as as much as I could. Uh, was when you see uh, a goal from Ishmael Azar, but one that was set up by uh, by Pedro. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the the, the text that uh, the Watford tweeted. Uh, Pedro sets up Sar to score. I was thinking, God, if we can see that um, sequence of words for the next four or five years, we'll be we'll probably be very very happy bunnies, won't we? Because they're two um, two fabulous players there, and, and again encouraging to hear Adam seeing Pedro firsthand and uh, looking good. But yeah, it, it just it just all goes back to the point, doesn't it? That this is a squad that you look at the teams that that took part in both 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 halves of that that fixture, and there is some incredible talent there um, and uh, yes it just if we can get Pedro going and Saar going and get the best out of uh, Ismail Saar I think we could be in for some some fun and games but I have to say like Adam as it as it creeps ever closer um, you do you do you do get the nerves because there is so much riding on this on this nine games and uh, whether you want to throw a, a youngster in with the future of Watford Football Club on his shoulders is uh, is open to, to, to debate we'll, but um, I guess you know they're, they're, they're going to be ready aren't they they're ready they're Premier League footballers and uh, you, you catch Al Pedro amongst them he, he, he's earned the, the right to play in the Premier League so so why not but yeah very very exciting to hear of that link up although very late on and uh, uh, read into that what you will but yeah potentially um, exciting stuff but Adam with that you know the, this whole thing about these five substitutes you know there's, mm. there's several ways of looking at it like you've already said either it's going to be a thing where you are substituting a player so you have a consistent almost starting 11 um but actually someone like pedro surely saturday was just about at some point if we are going to get tired legs we do want to put something special on or a little bit of speed a little bit of something where you know like i said maybe not where the game's on the line but did you see someone who you think isn't going to be withering in the corner when if he plays against the big boys in the premier league yeah, no, I was I was really really impressed with him, and because we've got that position essentially free on the left hand side with with no Delafeo, it, it's there for someone to go and, and make it their own. So you know you've got you've got Welbeck, you've got Pereira, and Pedro is definitely in the mix. I know this was sort of in the second half of a pre-season friendly, but he looked really good. You know, there was a lot of attacking instinct. Um, there was confidence. He was quite happy to go to the left, go to the byline, cut inside, have a shot. Um, the cross was very good. There was a great through ball as well um, when he'd actually drifted into the middle and played the ball through to Saar and it was it, and it was saved. That was really good link-up play. So I think it's it will bring out the best in the players that want to make that gamble in behind. And Saar is obviously one of those players, and he seems Pedro to to sort of have an eye for a you know a nifty eye of the needle sort of through ball as well which is which is great and i think in terms of another element to it as well is having players that teams won't necessarily have a um, any sort of body of work to prepare for so you know he's someone that's not played in the premier league he he was sort of thrown in in those two games home and away against tranmere on that absolutely <laughs> wretched wretched pitch uh, up at tranmere um but did really well you know so they they haven't signed him 
Uh, he wasn't wanted by Liverpool and Manchester City uh, because he's an average player. He is seemingly has the opportunity to show why so many teams wanted him. And, and I think that he's not going to be used a lot because I think that Nigel Pearson, we've seen, doesn't like to make huge changes and almost wants to send his troops out there and say, come on, boys, stick together. Um, but I think they're going to have to sort of cut their cloth a little bit and throw a few randoms in there. And I think he's definitely in the mix. Penuranda is also in the mix as well. He was on the bench. He, he, he nearly came on. Yeah, let's not forget him as well. He's, he's, a, he's another option. Because look, if, if any of the teams do get any sort of a, a spate of injuries, you're going to be very quickly into your, your Keeners, your Penurandas, <laughs> your Pedros and, and things like that. Yeah. So uh, they are going to be needed. And I think you'll want to keep their, their pots boiling a little bit with a few minutes. You mentioned injuries, Adam, and one of the, the key players went off, Will Hughes. He's, he's got a knock. Uh, what, what, what do you know about, about that situation? And also a curious one. I missed him off the, the AWOL list at the, at the top of the show, but someone who I sort of scratch my head a little bit about is, is Daryl Yanmat, um, yeah. and, and the status of him, because he's always impressed me as, as a Watford player. I don't think he's let us down at all. And I think it's, there's still a player there, I, I assume. And, and but just where is he? <laughs> is the question I've yeah, got I, on him. To be brutally honest, I, I mean, first on Will Hughes, it looked like a knock and because it was a friendly, they sort of brought him off, but he was hobbling a bit and it took him mm. a little bit of time to sort of get back into the swing of things and he didn't really last long after it. So he went straight down the tunnel and uh, would have got some treatment, but he's pretty determined, isn't he? I'm sure he'll want yeah. to be part of it. So hopefully it wasn't too serious, but we'll find out uh, a little bit later on this week when there's that sort of full assessment from Nigel Pearson, who'll be speaking ahead of the game. In terms of Daryl Yanmat, meanwhile, it's, it's difficult to know really whether they're budgeting for him uh, to return before the end of this season or they're thinking, look, similar to, to Gerard Delafeu, continue your sort of detailed and rigorous rehab from your your knee injury and then you know we'll 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 reassess it at the beginning mm. of next season and maybe you can be part of it then but i wouldn't imagine uh that he would feature straight away and i guess it would be a bonus if he could be part of it in some of these games and he would probably try and try and get back but it doesn't seem to be that there's much um communication in terms of him making a, a definitive return again yeah. like with Hughes we'll you know we'll find out a little bit later on this week but it you know he's worth mentioning we we were expecting him back a lot earlier and it seems as if there was sort of extra complications with it with his knee injury so fingers crossed for him he gets back but I'm not holding my breath to be honest yeah, I, th I think he just brings a bit of solidity to that that backline. Yeah. I think we've been we've been quite positive and quite effusive about the about the options that Watford have in midfield and uh, and going forward. And there's a lot of excitement, rightly so, around that. And on their day, our defence can look good as well, can't it? But they are all capable of having off days, aren't they? And perhaps you could level that at, at every defender, really, because it gets exacerbated, doesn't it, when a defender makes a mistake? But I just prefer having Daryl Yanmat there because if Kiko isn't working for whatever reason, you just stick. It stick Daryl in there and he gums it up a little bit doesn't he just sort of he gives us that extra solidity I think is the is the best word I can think of so yeah I think there's going to be a lot resting on that defensive unit in the uh in this little nine game run isn't there there is but don't forget you know how how good Kiko was and yeah, his combinations yeah. with with Saar uh prior to lockdown so I don't know hopefully 
I think having had so many injuries this season as well, I think that the sort of the medical staff will be very, very conscious of that, that, you know, over the normal course of a season, we were picking up quite a lot of injuries. So they'll be quite wary yeah. of, of, you know, rotating in this, this period of time as well. So fingers crossed that the early games, they can get a few minutes under their belt and we can sort of stick with a solid back four because when it is the, the first pick back four of, let's say, Messina and Kiko as your two fullbacks and then probably Cathcart and Cabasele or Cathcart and Dawson or any combination with, with those three, it's, it's pretty solid in front of Ben Foster. So um, fingers crossed no one goes down too early. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! As everyone's been waiting for a very long time, Watford's next game is against Leicester City. And earlier on today, Mike and I caught up with Rob Tanner, the Leicester correspondent for The Athletic, to find out exactly where Leicester are ahead of the restart, particularly how Mr Vardy's doing with a very significant milestone on its way. We've got to worry, Rob, about this game. Jamie Vardy's going to get his 100th Premier League goal yeah. against Watford. Uh, and I suspect the fact that this has been quite a while since, you know, that lots of lots of strikers have that thing of, oh, you know, that game, they need to get past that, that record. He's had a couple of months. He's probably going to be raring to go, isn't he? Oh, he absolutely is. And, you know, and sometimes you think, well, that would be just poetic if it happens at this certain stage. If he does it, if he scores his 100th Premier League goal against the manager that plucked him from non-league football oh, and gave him his chance as a professional I think it would just be so apt wouldn't it really um, well you say apt Rob I'd suggest it's downright disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should leave it another week then but it would be interesting wouldn't it if it was against Nigel's team that he, he actually did it because Nigel stuck uh, with him when he was really struggling to uh, adjust to the big jump up from non-league football to the championship and had doubts himself that he was ever going to make it and even requested to go back to Fleetwood Nigel had a heart to heart with him told him to just believe in himself and certainly since he's been doing that he's been unstoppable hasn't he but uh, Nigel's had a, such a huge influence on his career probably the, the most uh, important manager of his playing career so I'm sure they'll both be looking to a little re- have a little reunion on uh, on Saturday I think I know the answer to this, Rob. Looking back over Vardy's statistics over the last couple of seasons, they really are quite extraordinary, aren't they? He's just so, so prolific and, and so important for Leicester. But how do you think this bizarre atmosphere will, will impact on people like Vardy and the, and the Leicester squad? Because obviously they're in the upper echelons of the league and, um, they will be seen as one of the, the bigger teams, really, that, that clubs have to play in the remainder of the season. So how do you think they'll, they'll cope with that? Very interesting you said about Vardy there and coping with the atmosphere because he is sort of a character that feeds on mm. uh, away fans, opposition supporters, and we've yeah. seen so many of his celebrations. You know, his hand behind his ears, standing <laughs> in front of them, almost mocking them in, in many yeah, ways. There's no one to mock now. We're aware uh, so of that how that's going to... I mean, that, I mean, yeah, when they start singing about his wife and things like that, it defies him up. He becomes a different player. So he's not going to have any of that. So that's going to be interesting. But in terms of coping with the, the situation, I mean, they've got a little spine of experience in the side. It's a very young side. But when you've got Kasper Smichael, uh, you've got Johnny Evans, people like Jamie Vardy in the side, they, they, they're, they're very experienced and they, they keep the rest of the lads um, quite calm and cool in certain situations, certainly when they've gone behind in games. They've had the ability to come back quite a lot. So it's going to be interesting how they cope with this. I mean, and also they're going into it and they know they've got nine games now and they're in a great position. 
to qualify for the Champions League again. I mean, after the first time, nobody ever thought Leicester City would be competing again at the top end of the table. But uh, here we are. I mean, it's been a strange old season all round. But um, if Leicester City could finish it now on a positive uh, note, it'd be fantastic for the club moving forward, certainly in terms of the finances as well of uh, Champions League qualification. So there's lots to play for in these final nine games, not just the Champions League qualification, not just Jamie Vardy going for the golden boot and the 100th Premier League goal, but they've also got the FA Cup coming up as well, and they've never won that in the club's history. They've been to the four finals, the most finals any club's ever been to without ever actually lifting the trophy, and they're in the quarterfinals against Chelsea, so there's lots to play for. So do you think, Rob, then, with that in mind, that um, it, it's a bit of an imponderable, really, but we spoke before the uh, the first time we tried to uh, to get this fixture on, and there's been obviously been a big, big gap since, and I know you had a couple of key injuries going into that game. So would you say going into this now that perhaps it's for, for Leicester it's been a good a good chance for a break a chance to regroup and get ready for the sort of final assault on on two fronts as you mentioned would it is, it, is this a, a worse time for Watford to be playing Leicester do you think well I think in the second half of the season Leicester was showing fatigue because they play with such intensity and mm. uh, they play with Brendan Rodgers high press and you know it's all about energy and he, uh, one of the first things he did when he came into the club was identify that they weren't fit enough to play the style of football that he he wanted them to play so um, a lot has been been done on their physical conditioning but we did have a, a few younger key players who were carrying little knocks um, Wilfred Ndidi most notably uh, he was struggling with a knee problem and Jamie's been having a few little knocks and niggles here and there it's given them a chance to refresh and recharge I mean Ricardo Pereira won't play again this season because he's done his cruciate he did that just before lockdown but it means that he's got a better chance of being fit for the start of next season but yeah I think um, the, the, the little break will do them uh, the world of good in terms of how they're going to approach this game because they're going to be very high intensity the only, the only positive I'd say for Watford is they won't be full throttle and it will take them a few games to get to full throttle as well so there is uh, opportunities there to, for, for Watford in terms of that because I don't think Leicester will be completely at it from the start. Last time we spoke you said you know that the chance of Watford doing something is because Brendan has a certain way of playing. Do you think that they might have added something in this time or they just haven't had the chance to sort of add another layer to the Leicester way of playing? It's very difficult to do that, isn't it? I mean, I mean obviously they've been um, training remotely and then when they've come back, you know, there's social distancing the way they've been doing it. It's only really in the last few weeks that they've been able to do full contact training. So there hasn't been a great opportunity to bring in anything new in terms of working. I think, and plus as well, you haven't had like a pre-season where you have seven or eight friendly games to work on stuff in different formations. But they are quite a versatile um, side in many respects because Brendan does change the system every now and then. I mean, he does prefer the 4-3-3 style, but he's also had three at the back as well in previous games. So they are versatile in terms of um, their formations and shapes, but I don't think we'll see anything too different, though. I mean, obviously, your Leicester correspondent, you will have seen a little bit of Watford, perhaps, no doubt, you'll have seen the, the Liverpool game. Most people saw, yeah. saw that victory one way or another. Dude, where do you think that Watford might have... Um, any sort of chances of uh, success against uh, against Leicester without giving too much away, obviously. I think Watford just keep doing what they've been doing under Nigel. I mean, he's given them a chance. Before Nigel came in, um, it looked like they were just going in one direction, but yeah. they've got a chance now. With nine games to go, that's all Watford could have asked for, isn't it, really? Just, just to have an opportunity to, to save themselves. And the way they've been playing, they look fully committed. It looks typical Nigel Pearson side in many respects, that they're all working for each other. There's fantastic uh, camaraderie and team spirit. Uh, 
typified by Troy Deeney. And um, that's going to be vital for them as well. Even if they go behind, if Leicester do get the, um, the first goal, having that character to come back as well. And um, I'm, I'm fully expecting this to be a typical Nigel Pearson uh, side. And knowing Nigel Pearson as you as you do, Rob, how do you think he'll have used this this break? What sort of techniques? What sort of things do you think he'll have been saying to his his team as they build back, build up to this? Because I think of the, the, the those teams down at the the bottom six, they have to start quickly. Everyone's sort of talk, talking about it being a mini league, but it's a mini league with very very limited room for error. So do you think it'll be an arm round the shoulder? Come on, chaps, we can do this. Don't worry about what's happened before. Or do you think it'll be more right? Come on, absolutely. You know, we've got to go for it. From, from minute one because we can't afford any slip-ups. What do you think his, his approach will be? Well, he's a fantastic man-manager, so he'll be individually trying to get the best out of each player. It will be an arm round a shoulder. Although he looks uh, like he's got a gruff exterior to the media sometimes, it, the, the players love him. Players actually love love working for Nigel because um, you know he makes them feel part of everything that's going on. Um, he is very much a player's, a player's manager and... Um, He'll be drawing as well on his experience from the 14-15 uh, season when it was nine games to go. Leicester were bottom of the table and they won seven of the last nine games to survive. I mean, that was a fantastic achievement then and that was all down to... He did tinker with the system. that They went to wing-back system uh, for those final nine games. Uh, but it was all about just going out and then leaving it all out on the pitch. Nine cup finals. I know it's a cliche, but it worked for Leicester then and it can work for Watford now. What were the, some of the hallmarks of that? that running Rob I know you say sort of leaving it all out there and and that is something we recognize and in Nigel Pearson and of course Craig Shakespeare's Watford we've seen that you know the upturn in fortune since they arrived has been been monumental but what sort of things should we be looking out for what are the what are some of the hallmarks of that of that Leicester side that that survived just sticking with each other the belief I mean I think there was a, n- a number of changes that um, had a big influence on that Robert Huth arrived on loan and they went to the three uh, centre back system with wing backs Michael Brighton came in as a right wing back and he's a very attacking type of um, a wing back in that sense and uh, that al- also allowed them to get um, more support around Jamie Vardy and then suddenly Vardy clicked and, and Riyad Mahrez clicked they did it with uh, a game to spare as well remarkably so I, I think there will be a few um, little tinkers of the system I think it'll, but he'll be working on that on the training ground over the last few weeks as they build up to this uh, to this game and um, I assume they've had some behind closed doors friendlies as well or practice matches trying to, to work on little tinks, uh, tinkers of the uh, system just to um, make sure that they're ready for these last nine games Because, but above all he'll have the players believing they can do it Mike, great hearing from from Rob. Uh, would you say you feel more confident, less confident, or this is this is exactly the same game that we would have had if it happened first time? Time is meant to happen. I am very, very trepidatious after hearing um, from a very upbeat Rob Tanner there. He didn't really give us much cause for um, for comfort, I didn't think. He was sort of, uh, yeah, he was complimentary about Watford under Nigel Pearson, but obviously very um, um, positive about Leicester's chances as well. Third in the Premier League table, of course. Brendan Rodgers has got them, got them ticking nicely. And I think, again, it's one of the imponderables. It's how these players, how these teams are going to react to this strange situation, how they 
they're going to react to the atmosphere, how they're going to have reacted to the last couple of months. And there was a little glint of hope there, wasn't there, saying how, how Jamie Vardy does play off the crowd and perhaps not having um, that little extra. You know, we've talked to, we talked to Troy Deeney recently about um, uh, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, and how he used to create rivalries. He used to almost build things up to annoy him so he could go out and prove people wrong. And I suspect that a lot of top sportsmen uh, find themselves in a in a similar boat and whether Jamie Vardy uses the crowd as one of them. It sounds like we're clutching straws a little bit here, doesn't it? We're going to look pretty silly when he scored, uh, scored a hat-trick and we're talking he's on 102 Premier League goals come Monday morning. But Leicester are a great side. There's absolutely no way of uh, uh, of dressing it up any differently and, and, and Rob's absolutely right to be uh, to be positive about them. He's obviously seen a lot of them and you know they're, they're great in every area of the pitch, aren't they? It sounds a very lazy and simple thing to say but you don't get to be um, third in the Premier League with, with Manchester City in your sights um, without being consistently very, very good this season and Watford are going to have to be come out of the blocks firing on God, listen to me, cliche tastic. If I was getting a five, <laughs> come out of the blocks, all firing on all, all cylinders, blimey O'Reilly. Um, blimey O'Reilly, does that count as a cliche as well? <laughs> yeah, you- <laughs> Football cliches pod here, I, here I come. But um, it's just a very, very difficult game, and it was noticeable that Rob's very positive about Leicester, and with every reason, they're just a, a terrific side, and it, they're going to be very difficult to, to play against. But you know, we've spoken already about how good this Watford side is. Sardini, you know, all over the picture is quality, and and I'm just I'm just hopeful that we've drawn a line under that first three quarters of the of the season, and we see the Watford side that we know is there. And I think if that side turns up, then then we've got every chance of getting a getting a positive result because I think Nigel Pearson will have been clear with them. Rob talked about him being an, an arm round the shoulder man and I think it would have been a very firm arm round the shoulder with a tight grip of that shoulder saying, look, come on, if we get a good result against Leicester, we are up and running. We are, uh, here we go again, cooking with gas. Um, <laughs> and we're just, um, we're off to the races. Ding, 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 another one. <laughs> but I think he will have been firm with them and, and, and identified this as, a, as an opportunity to... To, to get some po- points on the board. Uh, <laughs> I'm not getting paid by the cliche, unfortunately, I promise you. But there is a real opportunity there, regardless of the quality of, of Leicester. Um, it is a, it is an opportunity for us. And I'm just excited to see how, how Watford fare against a, a, an excellent side. It's, it's a challenge, but one I'm sure they can, can meet. And if they do get, if they can somehow get a win, all of a sudden Burnley away and Southampton away, it looks like your ticket to survival, doesn't it? If somehow you got, you know, six, seven, Seven, how do you get seven points? Yeah, six or nine points from those first um, three games. It, it, it looks good, doesn't it? Very, very quickly. So it's, it's a chance to, to, to set the tone for the rest of the season, and it's going to be difficult. It's Adam and I both said how nervous we are, with good reason. Turn up and turn it on, and uh, and beat Watford. You know, you look at the league table. There's a, there's only one way. Um, if you've got your pools coupon, there's only one way you're going to go. You're going to go away win, aren't you? On on form. So difficult. Um, but if Watford play to their full potential, then uh, in with a massive chance. Fantastic. Um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But you know, there's a whole host of games on their way, and they're all very important. Everyone's a cup final. There's another piece for you, Mike. Yeah. Um, and we, we, as what fans, we know what this what this running is going to be. You know, I, I look at it, I see three top five, top four teams in Leicester, Chelsea, Man City. We, we've got a couple, you know, three of them maybe who are sort of already sorted. Burnley, Southampton, Newcastle. We've got some six-pointers with Norwich and West Ham. And the last game of the season against Arsenal. And, well, they're just Arsenal. Um, but, Adam, 
you know, we've done 25 mm. podcasts since lockdown started and the season was put on pause. Uh, the last couple of weeks, though, you've been going podcast-tastic on the, uh, the Ornstein and Chapman feed. Uh, and you've been talking to all the uh, correspondents from the Athletic for every single one of the of the clubs. So you've got a bit of intel you can share. Yeah, I, I sort of. Yeah, if I can remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's been really good actually. Um, going through every team and dedicating uh, a podcast on the Ornstein and Chapman feed to that team, speaking to our dedicated uh, reporters, um, and just getting a feel for what it was like prior to lockdown, and how those teams have actually behaved during lockdown, which I think is quite important, especially those sides uh, down at the bottom, whether they've been communicative, like Brighton, for example. They've been very open and, and transparent. Uh, West Ham and Karen Brady have often put their, their foot in it a couple of times with, with articles and stuff, which rubbed people up the, the wrong way. Uh, Norwich, on the whole, have stayed pretty quiet because everyone would probably have known that they would want the season um, cancelled. But there's no point in them saying it because it's, it's quite obvious. And then you've got Villa and Bournemouth, who haven't really been saying too much in terms of what they've been doing during lockdown. But then it's it's been interesting sort of getting the feelings of those um, various reporters and, you know, reflecting the mood inside the teams. And if you sort of work your way uh, back up the table. So for, for Norwich, it's now just basically a free hit. And I think that Michael Bailey, who I was speaking to, was, was feeling quite infused about the mm. opportunity to pull off something um, remarkable. They've got some tough games in their run-in. Obviously, they, they play against uh, Everton. They play against Arsenal. They've got those potential uh, six-pointers against Brighton, Watford and, and West Ham. And then their last three games includes Chelsea and Manchester City. So it's going to be tough for them to get enough points together uh, to still be fighting by the end of the season. Who's got the work, who's got the who do you think's the the hardest of all those run-ins? I think well if you look at it Brighton are are have have the toughest because the, I mean, it's it's a it's a really wretched run and they mm. could they could um they could be in all sorts of trouble by the time they reach their third um, from last game. So they, they play Arsenal, Leicester, Manchester United, Liverpool and Man City in their first six matches. So five out of those six you would expect them to lose. Uh, squeezed in between them is, is Norwich. Um, and then they end with Southampton, Newcastle and Burnley. So I would say that they've got the toughest run in. But then, you know, there's, there's other teams obviously in there in the mix, the likes of Aston Villa, who I think the game against Sheffield United will it will will be i think advantageous for all the other teams around them because you'll get an insight into whether no crowds is a leveler um everyone will be watching it very very closely obviously aston villa have a, quite an influential crowd i remember the game against watford the crowd were were literally a, a 12th man and they did make a massive difference they're going to lose that um and i think they play on emotion quite a lot that the players the likes of Jack Grealish he's a real sort of similar to Troy Deeney really isn't he like a talisman and connects really well with the, with the crowd so they're not going to have that and they were on a well so um if they can show that this lockdown period has been a reset and can get a, a, a good result against Sheffield United I think that will that will set the, the flutters of nerves um away on all those other teams around them but I think everyone will be wishing that Sheffield United sort of revert to what we know and win against Aston Villa yeah. and you know because then obviously if, if Villa win 
point, then Watford will drop down uh, a position. So I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And one other sort of random one as well. It's not you know they're not in the bottom six, but Newcastle's running is is worth having a look at as well. And I, I spoke to George Colkin, who's, who's very entertaining. If you get an opportunity, mm. um, you know, over the next few days to to look ahead to the season, dig out the the preview with with um, George Colkin, who. Obviously, there's a lot of focus on the Saudi Arabian uh, potential takeover at the club. But when you look at their run, it's interesting because they basically play after their opening game against Sheffield United. They play a team that's battling against relegation and then they play a, a team that's at the top. They're still in the FA Cup, of course. So they play Aston Villa. They have Man City in the FA Cup. Then they play Bournemouth and West Ham. So they've got three games against relegation teams. Then they play Man City again. Then they play us. Then they play Tottenham. Then they play Brighton. And then they finish at Liverpool. So if some of those bottom six sides can pull off some results, they're not going to be getting many more points than the 35, I think it is, that they have now. And then they're going to be playing against some some top six sides as well. So... They're my outside, very outside bet for, for being sucked in. They're sort of, I'm hoping that they get nervy and we can draw them hmm. back into the mire. That's my hope anyway. Mike, you know, Watford, I, I look at it, I've, I've, I've got a little table, I've colour coordinated a little bit in terms of top, middle, bottom. Uh, we're, we're fairly spread out, I think. That's what I'm enjoying. We're not going to have the, the run that Brighton have got, which is Leicester, Man United, Norwich, Liverpool, Man City. You know, there's no massive hole for us to fall in and, and you know, not be able to get out of. As best as you can, you know, you're positive about this, aren't you? <laughs> I think it depends how it depends how you feel, doesn't it? And I think a lot will will ride on this Leicester game in, in terms of how the side looks, how competent, how confident, how strong, how mentally and physically ready they look looked for it. Because if they, for example, lose to Leicester but it's a decent showing, then you think, right, okay, we can go to Burnley, not a great deal to play for, and and put on a show there. Home to Southampton, not much, you know, in relative terms to fear there either. So I think that this first game is going to set the tone because if if you look at it in isolation if you had this as our first nine games of the season um and everything you know all things being equal you'd say you know that is a decent run that's a that's a chance to pick up some some good early points the problem is there are i mean you mentioned there's no real holes to fall down there are a lot of holes to fall down i think because if you don't chasms, pick up no those, chasms then <laughs> well they, that's exactly what they are they're bottomless chasms that uh, well there is a bottom this is a championship unfortunately but uh you know if if, if we don't pick up those you don't want to be relying on the final two games to have to get anything yeah. Arsenal away could be anything from from Watford turning up an Arsenal on the beach to Arsenal to Watford turning up an Arsenal absolutely laying um it around the place like like they they're capable of doing and 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 could put could absolutely destroy us Manchester City at home regard you know we've talked a lot about the the atmosphere being a leveler I think it's going to be um you know we could play it on the moon um, in terms of the atmosphere and we still wouldn't get a get a result against Manchester City you have to put that one to bed and then West Ham away is is could potentially be you know a, a, a real cup final. So those last three games are, are incredibly potentially difficult. So a huge amount of pressure on the the West Ham game, an unlikely opportunity for any points against Man City, and God only knows what's going to what what uh, what sort of team Arsenal is going to turn up on on the last day. So unless we get points early. That is a, it's quite a, a, a terrifying prospect, that, that running. Um, okay, but yeah, okay. Got... So, what then? Out of all the games Watford have got to play, 
how many of those are you actually going in there thinking with the squad with the players what we've seen so far this season before Nigel Pearson after Nigel Pearson or during <laughs> Nigel Pearson how many of those games are you actually going in there thinking we're not going to get a point well, I think we'll get a point at home, uh, point at home to Norwich and then we'll lose the rest. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> look, we could get something everywhere. This Watford side is good enough. I think Chelsea away is always is always difficult. I'm not I'm not going to say we're going to get anything there. Man City at, at home, we're not going to get anything there. But the rest uh, of them, the rest of them, surely the, the rest possible. of them, we're, the rest of them, absolutely, we're in there. We're, we're in there with a with a massive chance. And and Watford do have an opportunity to get themselves out of this, thanks to the the, the turnaround that, that Nigel Pearson and and Craig Pearson have, have managed to to get underway the, the performances in the hole since Christmas have been very very encouraging and if they can keep that up then there's no reason we should go into any of these games even a Man City one um, you know we've got they've got to come unstuck against us sometime haven't they haven't they? Anyway, At some this, point, is, I'm is, sure. Is this thing on? Um, <laughs> so I don't think we should go into any of them with any fear. And, you know, the players will, we will expect the players not to go into any of them with any fear. So we need to back them up as supporters as well. Every game, I think we've got in, in with a chance of, of, of getting something. We just, I'm, I can't see past that, that Leicester game as just setting, it's so, so important that we set a, set a, a real good marker. You know, if Villa don't get anything at, at home to Sheffield United, for example, we're still outside the bottom three and then we can pick up something against Leicester and, uh, and we're up and running I, th- I just think it will I think it would just be so massively helpful that, that Leicester game and, and if we lose badly then it's then Burnley away all of a sudden it's very very difficult doesn't it if we, but if we turn in a good performance then, then there's nothing to fear so it's it's, it's very, very difficult, but it's eminently doable. And, and, and out of all the out of all the run-ins, I think it's perhaps the most balanced, which might, in its way, sort of serve to serve to be quite sort of calming, if you if you like, because there's no reason to, to 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 get too panicked if we don't get a result there, because we've got a chance to get results elsewhere. Um, you know, you look at, at Villa and Brighton; don't they've got one game each of, of, of teams who are in the uh, in the bottom six? Bournemouth haven't got to play anyone who are in the bottom six, so they're not going to be um, taking points off or giving points to anyone else that's in the in the relegation battle. So other clubs have definitely got it harder than us, but I think that's it's it's difficult madness that way lies. I think going into too much detail about what the others do. We've talked about how good this side is. It's up to them to go out there and and prove it. And I think we are going against every grain and fibre in my body. Have to back them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, yeah. uh, you know it's, the season is is about to start but you've already spoken to somebody the article's out tomorrow someone very interesting who played a part in this season one of a cast of thousands that have uh, <laughs> been the head coach of Watford this season yeah it was it was great to catch up with Mr Javi Gracia and uh, that article is going to be as you mentioned out on Thursday um, and obviously you know he's a, he's a gentleman he was always very good with uh, us in the media he obviously made a, a great connection with the fans and I think that everyone really agrees that it was such a shame that it ended so sharply and so suddenly and was sort of overtaken by the news of Kike Sanchez Flores taking over that uh, that summer afternoon that sort of uh, cut and shut that <laughs> in that afternoon where we were like oh okay fine he's going and oh oh Kike's back you can read the article uh, on Thursday Thursday, uh, if you are a subscriber to Athletic, you can currently get a 40% discount as a listener to From the Rookie End. Uh, that normally would cost you uh, 4.99 a month if you pay annually, but with a discount, it's only 2.99 a month. That's only 35 pounds and 88 pence for a year. 
That's only 10p a day uh, to read the fantastic writing that the uh, Athletic are putting out there. Uh, writers such as Adam, but also Oliver Kay, Danny Taylor, Raphael Honigstein about German football, James Horncastle about Italy. And if you like your analysis, fine, fine analysis of football tactics, also Michael Cox is part of the writers. And all that you can go and get by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh with that article with with harry will be up this week thank you very much adam absolute pleasure gents great to speak to you as always and thank you michael i was trying to think of a cliche to round up with but i think <laughs> i've i've literally you literally used them all there you go literally there's one for you it's been an absolute pleasure and apologies to uh to all the listeners for having to to put up with that but yes yes thank you as always for having me uh we'll be back after the leicester game podcast should be out uh sunday but definitely ready for your monday morning if you're commuting or not but the season the last nine games are here and they're going to happen and the one thing we can all do no matter what happens is continue to shout come on you all